0: Welcome to the Oxygen Mask podcast. If you are here as a parent or caregiver, educator, or grandparent, we are glad to have you listening. This program is geared for the autism parent, but we welcome and invite all who feel called to be here with us. I'm Tara, and I'm your co-host, along with my partner, Beth. The title of this podcast, The Oxygen Mask, is based on a metaphor. Just as you are instructed on an airplane to put on your own mask before helping others, We believe we need to practice helping ourselves as parents so we can best help our children.
1: Hi, I'm Beth. At the beginning of each episode, we'll turn that metaphor, that symbol of an oxygen mask, into a concrete practice. Pausing a few minutes each day to quiet our busy minds and breathe into our bellies provides a surge of stress-reducing neurochemicals. With practice over time, we actually build pathways in our brains that help reduce our stress response. So even if you hit play on this podcast about to enter multitasking mode, please take a moment of pause for yourself. Let's begin. Close your eyes softly and bring your attention to your feet as they contact the surface beneath them, rooting you to this moment. Roll your shoulders back. Let them settle in a strong, relaxed posture. Take a belly breath in through your nose, Feel the sensation of air in your nostrils, in the back of your throat. Exhale slowly. Notice your chest fall and your belly soften. Draw another deep breath into your belly. Envision the cool air swirling up across your forehead. Exhale, picturing the warm air going down the back of your neck and over your shoulders. Bring your attention to your face, your temples, your jaw. Take a final cleansing breath in. At the top of your in-breath, bend your elbows and softly place your hands on your hips. Exhale slowly, perhaps letting a smile curl the corners of your mouth. Hold this posture for a few seconds as you open your eyes.
0: Hello and welcome to the oxygen mask. I'm so excited for our special guest today because we get to hear from dads. Um, You know, my personal experience is that I've met and gotten to know so many moms of special needs children. And I personally know what that experience is like, what it's like from a mom's perspective. Um, But I'm really eager to learn from what it what it's like from a dad's perspective. Um, So Beth, do you want to introduce our guests? So today we have the co-facilitators of the Fathers of Special Needs
1: Children's Group that they've been doing for 15 years. We have... Don Nicola, who's um, got a master's of social work and retired from Hennepin County after 37 years there. And Steve Rockline is a licensed clinical social worker who's also retired. And both men have been working with kids and families, one in support services and the other in clinical work for decades. So uh, gentlemen, welcome. Um, Go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to do this work with
2: dads. Okay. I'll start, Steve. Um, I'm Don Nicola. I was working in what they called Hennepin County Early Childhood Services, which was a, a collaboration with Hennepin County and various school districts in Hennepin County to provide resources and services for families whose children were having IEP services and needed services beyond what the school could provide. So I met at different IEP meetings, specifically with the Minneapolis Early Childhood Special Ed team, birth to five. And uh, at one of those IEP meetings, a dad was there, but he wasn't at the IEP conference with the team he was out in the kitchen and I went out there to see him and um, he was very very sad and was tearing tearing up and as I was talking to him he was really struggling with the fact that his child was duly diagnosed and as a result of that I uh, got some pressure from the school too <laughs> to try to develop a service of some type for this, dads like him. And there was a guy in the community who I knew who worked with dads, and that was Steve Rockline. And so I contacted him, and that's how the ball started to get low. So that's my story in terms of why and where I came from.
3: Yeah, Don, thanks for that. That's very well told. And that was about 15 years ago now, back in 2006. So uh, Don came to me and said, Steve, you know, you know we got to get a group going here. These guys are hurting out there and, uh, you know, no one's helping them. So, you know, how about you and I? Because I've been working with men where I've been working at, at, the, at the social service I was at. And I said, well, sure, you know, but, you know, because this goes back a little bit to the idea that uh, we feel done. I feel that men are underserved in so many ways when it comes to getting help. And there are two reasons for that. One reason is that men are, you know, they're, they're, it's, you know, they're like cats. You can't hurt them. You know, men don't like to be, don't tie me down. And don't make me come into a group and then do all that touchy-feely stuff. I'm being a little bit ex- exaggerated here, but that's kind of the attitude. Nah, I don't want to touch any of that stuff. So men have only themselves to be accountable for that. But on the other hand, social services don't reach out for men either. They don't reach out for men. And I, and I said, damn it, anyway, that frustrates me. So I said, that's right, down. Let's reach out and see if we can get a group of men and blah, blah, blah. And that's how we got going.
1: Awesome. So, um, for listeners who uh, maybe know uh, a gentleman um, or are themselves, or maybe trying to serve um, dads of kids with special needs, can you paint a picture for us of what one of your gatherings was like? The
2: normal process of doing our groups is we would meet at Wilder School on 34th in Chicago. We got referrals from a number of different sources, the Early Childhood Special Ed team. ARC, because they were actually co-sponsoring our group. Uh, We also got word-of-mouth referrals from other dads who were recruiting for our our groups. Um, We meet only one time a month, the second Monday of the month, from 6 to 7.30 in the evening. We have the benefit of until recently teacher services so the dads could bring the child, the children to the group meeting and then have the teachers work with the children while we were going through our discussion group. And uh, we um, typically, we we gather after the children depart and then Steve, Steve starts a process, so you go ahead next, Steve, and talk about our process, how we go with it. Okay, good, yeah,
3: so one of of the key features in our success has been that we've had support for child care, and that's what John described, and that really helps the dads come in, so I think any successful program ought to consider that aspect of it, that if dads are going to meet they can bring along their kids and then they can you know, get a time alone together but their kids are taken care of too if they need that kind of support. It's really a good idea. So from there, it's like, well, I've run a million you know, support groups, but again, this is an education support group, not a therapy group. And I'm used to working clinically as a therapist. So I had to really be clear in my mind that I'm doing education and support here but that's another aspect of our group is that we are both professional social workers. So I think we bring a higher level of keenness and awareness to the situation. And that helps us to be more successful because we've worked this way before and we've got experience with it. So we've been meeting by Zoom now since last March. And we did a, we're almost a year, year old now. And we've been holding together. You know, we met last evening. And now the process pretty much is just kind of people gather and we, you know, little chit, chitter chatter, and then, uh, you, know, you know, stop the action and, and the welcome, usually there's a few little things to chat about. If we have a new guy, we immediately focus on the new guy. And we, we take all kinds of time to ask him questions, bring him in and get him into the groove. Basically we wanna know everybody's narrative or story and we want them to express it. And then in that process, you know, I can assess and don too. And so as a group, they're pretty sensitive. Just how kind of where this guy is at. Men don't even know what they want when they come. They don't know. But they're there kind of on a blind faith or their wife sent them or some social worker referred them or they heard through the grapevine. So men don't come in saying, yeah, here I am. They come in saying, uh, what, what are you guys doing here? You know, kind of thing. That's so an that's, interesting
0: comment. Cause I think that's, um, and not to over generalize with genders, but I think women tend to like, we, we seek out groups because we know we want, you know, that support and we know we need the help. Right. Um, so I think that's really interesting concept too, because, um, maybe that is, makes your group even more approachable, right? Because men know it's okay to not know why they're there.
3: Exactly. And that kind of support and and that kind of feeling comes through because our main goal is to to provide a safe place where men can expose themselves and build trust. And so few people can really build trust. And this support group is all about safety and building trust. That's what underlies everything that Donna and I do.
0: So I I want to go back to what you were saying. I really think it's an interesting concept about how, as you have a new member come in, um, that you really let them have the floor to talk about whatever they need to talk about, even if they didn't know they needed to talk about it. <laughs> um, and so I think you had mentioned um, in, in our previous conversations to recording uh, that you, it's kind of a helping men find their voice. Why do you think that finding their voice and, uh, is so challenging and what's the result of you like ha- opening up that space for them to find their voice? Like, what's the results of that? Steve, if you wanna start with that.
3: Well, that's a, there's a lot to say right there, my friend. You know, how does anyone find their voice? It's really a process, but it starts right there with the fact that we're a group of men sitting around, uh, we're attentive, we're concerned, all the men are in the same boat. All the dads are the same. That was a factor that came up last night is that our men would say, you know, I tell my, I tell my men friends about my kid and they just don't get it at all. They just don't get it. And it's so, ah, uh, you know, it's so hurtful for them that, you know, here's their friend and they just can't relate to what this guy's going through, you know, and they're going through so much the stress of having, you know, his, you know, this guy's child is about four years old and ASD and just all of the, all the classical science. And it's so hard for this dad to get any support out there. But he comes to this group, he says, "My God, I can come to a place where people get me. And that is so important that they feel that acceptance and, and come into it. And that's part of finding their voice because men need to feel secure before they're gonna expose themselves. And so therefore by presenting this atmosphere of safety, other men, it seems to facilitate that, you know, that experience. And also, of course, you know, we're, I'm using and Don's using skills to, to support these guys and bring it out, too. It's okay. It's okay to feel things. It's okay not to know. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay. You know, just tell us. And that's the process in a way.
0: That's awesome. I think that's what anybody wants. Um, Don, I was going to have you give a, you a chance to chime in here too, but I kind of to take on to that is that what are the biggest challenges that men are bringing to your group? Like what are their biggest like um, things that they're, they're trying to work through?
2: I think I think what they're trying to deal with, first of all, is recognizing that they are dealing with loss of dreams, loss of what they were expecting their child to be able to uh, accomplish for themselves and develop. And that changes when they learn that there is a disability factor involved in their, their situation. So what's interesting is what Steve was talking about is that these veteran dads almost put their arms around these new guys and give them that opportunity to say, we have been there and we've done this as well, this journey and it's difficult, but uh, it's not all sad at these meetings. There's a lot of fun. There is a lot of joy, but then they're serious. They They wanna know about resources. They learn from each other How do you apply for TEFRA? What do you go for resources on child care, personal care, attendance services? What about finances?
3: You know, trying to keep the focus on the real things that that are important. Then I keep the intensity around you're here. What do you need? What can you express? You know, we try to help you identify because you have to, in order to find your voice, you have to find yourself. And a lot of our process is discovery in being a man and a father to these difficult children. And just what Don said, you know, last night was really a fascinating night because we were you know, and you'll back up to the group a bit. The, the context of our group after 16 years is that we've got this older generation of men now, they're in their forties, you know, generation X guys and early millennial guys. And they've raised their kids into their teens now, and even into 21 and 22. So we've got that group. That's your original group. Now we're getting some of the new guys coming in, the younger guys. No, younger guys, for sure. They're more in the millennials, for sure. And they've, and they've got these children, three and four, boys in particular. But this we got three new guys like that. And it's really been interesting for the guys that have come and stayed because, by the way, many come – but few are chosen, you know, we probably lose more than we keep, but that's the nature of men and groups, you know?
2: One of the things that we discussed last night was if your child has non-verbal, is nonverbal, how do they learn if they're ill or they have issues with respect to being sick, illness, and um, how that is, how they have to be on vigilance. Uh, alert to uh to be able to recognize my, my my child is not feeling well and then trying to like one guy said there's 20 questions they have to ask her is his daughter because she's not verbal and and is in a wheelchair.
1: Well, and as far as acceptance of how, how it is that my, my life looks different than others, mm. it, that's a great example. Like, you know, I'd often say, why, why is this so hard? Should this be so difficult? And that's an example. Like, you have to have your antenna much more sensitive. And, and so, for guys to hear other people picking up on that and re- maybe recognizing it in their own kid is super, really powerful.
3: And that's a credit to our group, I think. You know, just one last thing, and there's so many things we can tell you about about this. But even last night, we had a really moment of just like awakening. And here we are. We got the old guys, young guys. We're talking about how the group works and what's good for them and doesn't work. And the newer guys said, you know, I really am so glad I can come here and that we've got men who have been doing this for a long time because these young guys come in and they're so discouraged. They're so beaten down. It's like overwhelming. One of our men just talks about, God, it goes on day by day and I get no support. I'm just so discouraged. And I think he's three years old now. What's it going to be like? And then we've got these older guys who say, hey, you know, man, we hear you. And here's what it is for us. And basically they say, you know, you're right. But from our experience, it gets better the longer you're in it and the more you kind of work with it and stay with it. And so he was, you know, that kind of reassurance coming to these guys is, we Don, I can't do that. But the men can do it for each other. And that's the beauty of this group, I think, is that just another example of the support.
0: I think that's really interesting what you're saying, too, because Beth and I have talked about it's kind of a running theme in our podcast about um, – shifting perspective, you know, that there's this, like you mentioned before, there's a perception of what your child's future and potential is going to be like. And then a diagnosis comes and that shifts Mm -hmm. and it's hard. It's like a grieving process. Um, And we've talked often like to be able to shift your perspective really makes you a better parent. Do you see a shift in dad's perspectives as they've been a part of this group and like hearing from others and kind of understanding that they're not alone and that there's a different different way of viewing their child than maybe they initially thought.
3: And what happened last night, you know, Tara, in that very conversation is that as I heard them talking, I said, you know, guys, being a parent is a lifelong commitment. No matter what kind of parent you are, you're always a parent to your child. And, you know, this is what we got to do. And in that process, they, they talk about accepting that and knowing that, And that's really helped them to cope for the future. When, again, these young guys are like, oh, tearing their hair off because, you know, what do I have to look for? And understandably so. So it was such a, so the idea that was a lifelong commitment really resonated in the group and that kind of like, yeah, yeah, and then, but still like, oh, you know?
2: Well, I think what Steve is describing here is the resiliency that develops here. Mm -hmm. The uh, we, we, we I think it's it's almost part of, part of a natural process that they develop that, hey, this is what you have to do or this is what you can expect to do. And you can do it. You have no choice. You have to do it.
3: Yeah, Don, and in that process, you have to do it. That's where that puts a lot of strain on those couples because couples aren't in unison about how they should do it and what it's all about. And that's a very complicated process, but that's strain. The stress of having these kids too is real for couples. And uh, we talk plenty about marital situations and ways to try to deal with it. And know that, knowing that they're going to occur, we try to normalize a lot of things in our group. Oh yeah, this goes with the territory.
1: Okay, so this some of our conversation led to this already. Um, But what strengths and contributions do you see dads naming or discovering in their family roles?
2: Well, I also see that uh, they develop strength of being a self-advocate. When they go to an IEP meeting, they go in with the idea that we want to have the contract that the school is supposed to be providing our child that it's adhered to. So that's self-advocacy not only to school systems, but other systems that they have to navigate, healthcare and government services.
3: So there's so many different things we learn from each other. I think the key is, is that the atmosphere is open. The guys, you will know, bring stuff. But, you know, we've had tears we have a lot of laughs, too. But it's not, it's not corny. It's not just for the hell of a laugh, you know. We're laughing at ourselves. We're laughing at how ridiculous we can be. We're laughing at the absurdity of what we're trying to do here. That's healthy in a way, but it's hard work. It really is. And I admire the families that come and do it. Kind of want to come full circle
0: here because it was really interesting point that Don made to start with, like how you started this group in one of the, the, um, kind of pivotal moments for him was witnessing that IEP meeting and having uh, that dad often off to the side and not a part of the conversation. And kind of what I'm taking away from all of this is like how important it is to have a voice. And then um, I just think it's brilliant how you have now helped dads find their, not only find their voice, but now you've taught them how to advocate in an IEP meeting and how to be participatory in that. And so I just think, you know, groups like yours are, are tremendously helpful um, not just to the individual, but you're helping the child, the family, the system. Great. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, so much for coming today and having this
1: conversation. Um, how can people contact you if they're interested in the group or um, yep. want to learn more?
2: There's a website at tcdads.org. Uh,
1: and I hope um, some listeners uh, hear it and, and take this invitation to heart.
0: Thanks, fellas.
3: Oh, nice to be here. You can
0: comment and subscribe to the podcast at Communities Engaging Autism's website at www.cea4autism.org. Share the podcast with members of your village to strengthen those essential connections. And above all, please secure your own
3: oxygen mask before helping others.